Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, I appreciate that you're here. If you are new here, I'd appreciate if you could join the Immigrant Nation, and that's by clicking the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you can also join us by visiting our social media accounts. Our handle is at an immigrant's life. And if you or someone you know wants to be a guest on the podcast, reach out to our social media accounts, as I've mentioned just now, or email us at animmigrantslife at yahoo.com. Let's connect and let's tell your beautiful story. Before we start talking about the episode, I want to give a special shout out to one of my biggest supporters, a former guest and a dear, dear friend, Vienna Leslie. I know you've been going through a rough time. I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you and you're in my prayers. Now, let's talk about the episode. This week's guest is not looking to change the world. He's just trying to be a positive force. A true example of hard work pays off. And it's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get up. Enough with the preambles and let me get to the point. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest will let you know about the weather because he's the weathercaster for CBC Ottawa and then drop some boom shakalaka after a slam dunk since he's the voice of Ottawa basketball. Everyone, please welcome Victor Paolo. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm good, my man. Thank you for coming on the podcast. This is such an honor. Man, it's, it's an honor to be on your podcast. Thank you so much for reaching out. Oh, you're too kind. Anyways, before we get on to anything else, why don't you tell the Immigrant Nation where they can reach you or if you want to promote anything? Uh, you know, you can always find me at Victor Paolo uh, on all social medias, uh, at V-I-K-T-A-P-A-U-L-O. Uh, my name is my brand. My brand is my name. I love it. Look at this guy. He's so professional. <laughs> I mentioned that you're a weathercaster for CBC yes. Ottawa. So I'm I'm not originally a, a meteorologist or a climatologist. Um, I'm not someone who's um, you know classically trained through journalism school either. So mm -hmm. it, these are this was this was an opportunity which was a blessing uh, to be able to audition for the role for the weather role. Mm -hmm. uh, Ian Black, who had been doing it for 35 years, had retired, and they were looking for someone just to fill in uh, temporarily. Mm -hmm. And it started off by uh, a really short contract, like a month, um, and then just getting extensions and extensions. And here we are in February 2023, and we're, we're talking about still being in that role. So it's, uh, it's, it's a blessing to still be a part of such an amazing organization like that. Um, it's incredible. Bless, bless. You deserve it, bro. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. How did you get the role? Was it offered to you or? So it was... Uh, you know, there were, it was, it was, there were, there were looking for someone to fill in. And I'm someone who's um, been a frequent guest on the Ottawa morning show, as well as all in a day on the radio. Uh, so I'm someone who's kind of known um, a bit in the Ottawa, you know, circles as a bit of a, you know, I'm an Ottawa personality for basketball and sports. 
Mm. Um, a big promoter of local sports, big promoter of uh, local Ottawa basketball as well. And, you know, I was able to be on all in a day when I was at the Pan American Games in Toronto in 2015 when I was announcing for basketball there. Mm. Uh, I was lucky enough to be a guest on the show. And ever since then, I was I was kind of in and out whenever they want to talk local basketball, whatever things are happening. Um, I'd be a guest on the show. And when the Raptors won the championship, I had a chance to be on uh, CBC National. Uh, as a guest to talk about that so um it was it was quite an honor when that happened way back when so i guess i i, I was someone who they've had in their contact uh list to reach out to and they reached out came in for an audition and uh, i guess the rest is sort of history as they say but why not sport why did they put you in weather instead um i mean weather is something which uh you know it's present to your presenting right you're presenting uh the weather you're, you're it's not just so much because everyone has weather apps You and I can open our phone. We know it's minus 300,000 outside right now. For us <laughs> you know, immigrants, uh, yes. Exactly. You know, so um, you don't necessarily need, um, I think it's more of just being able to tell the, the weather in a way that is um, relatable to the people who are listening. Hmm. And I think the unique thing about me being someone who's an Ottawa citizen, um, a local Ottawa person, as well as I have a background in sports presentation as well. Um, being able to bring that together as well as, you know, taking the time to learn about the weather as well, too. Um, I know a lot of great people at CBC I was able to reach out to from across the country as well as locally or really big resources as well as, you know, so all of that, using all the resources as well. Now I'm able to not only tell the weather, but also tell it in a way that applies and is relatable to the listener. And I think that is one of the reasons I'd like to think why I've been able to still do the, the job up until now. Mm. Do, is there a script that you have to prepare or someone prepares for you? Um, I prepare it myself. Um, everything about the weather, you know, I, I'm looking at radars, I'm looking at different systems. Um, I'm looking at, at different things happening as well as I'm looking at a bit of the forecasts ahead and all that information I, I, I put together into 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 a language that people like yourself can understand what it means to you right mm -hmm. so for me to say something like you know two alberta clippers were heading this way this weekend um which resulted in the snow which we received yesterday and today mm -hmm. that might not mean much to you right <laughs> but if i say it in a way that alberta clipper is a system that it's uh It's 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 a system that moves in from the Albertas and the Vancouver, like the mountains over there, and it comes across the prairies and reaches on reaches Ottawa when it finally gets here. Hmm. So versus a system which is a Colorado low, which generates from you know the Colorado Rockies and the mountains there and works its way to Ottawa, or a Texas low, which is a system that comes all the way from uh, Texas, the Gulf of Mexico, and works its way up the East Coast towards Ottawa. So different systems come towards Ottawa, and the result of the type of weather we receive um, is depending on where it's coming from, right? So mm. being able to communicate that in a way that, for example, if I say we have a Colorado low system coming and this will generate a lot of snow, which means you probably don't want to be driving on Friday. You probably want to work from home. Mm. Um, you might want to prepare ahead because, you know, schools might be canceled because it might be a snow day. Mm. Um, You know, but then we have some relief coming on Saturday where it's going to be sunny and, you know, only minus three. So you can go outside and get your shoveling on or if you don't have to shovel, it'd be a great day to go out on some trails, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to take advantage of all that snow. Uh, you know, so 
you're kind of painting a picture for people to kind of know how they can um, navigate their way through the day, right? Mm-hmm. With the weather. So, and living in a place like Canada, as you know, the weather really dictates a lot of how we're going to go out about our days. <laughs> Hells yeah. What's your batting average on weather forecasting? Do you know? Um, I like to think I bat about a 98%, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the thing about weather, it's forever changing, but um, I'd like to think that I, I, I call a pretty good forecast that, you know, you know, the good thing about, you know, the internet and, and Twitter and, and, and things like that, people are never shy to let you know when, <laughs> when, when, when things don't go certain ways. Right. So, and the same thing too, you know, I, I'm never afraid to, to come on and say, you know, uh, yesterday we talked about how today was going to be, you know, only minus five and not a lot of snow. And it turned out to be, you know, minus 10 and it's been 20 centimeters of snow. Mm-hmm. These things happen. Right. But then, you explain why it happened. You know, this happened because the winds came from the east, and when the winds came from the east, it created more of an intense system that created more snow. And then the winds coming from the northwest, where that's the Arctic winds coming in, which is why it was a lot colder versus when the winds come from the south. Usually, they're a lot warmer. Mm-hmm. Then you break it down, and people understand why things happen, right? Versus, you know, just being wrong and keeping it moving, right? And that's the thing, you know, weather's forever changing and. People always want to know why, like, you know, why is the weather like this? Why is this happening? Why is it that this is like this? And just being able to explain it in a real simple way is, mm-hmm. is I think, the, 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 key, the key to success in this role. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, everyone's got a weather app. Everyone can put on the weather network. You know, they don't necessarily have to tune into the local weather. So it's about really just making it applicable to the, to the people who are listening and mm-hmm. watching. Does it frustrate you that you will forecast and with all this Doppler radar that we have and the satellite, and then it changes on you? Um, you know, it's not frustrating because I already see this as a learning opportunity to see why it happened, right? And, and that's the thing. It's, it's um, as you know, life is all about perspective. So I always try to look at things as, you know, if, if things don't go the way they were supposed to, it's, you know, I like to dissect why that happened and to figure out what were the reasons, um, what I thought was going to happen versus what actually happened. And, and then that way you come out with a better understanding and hopefully next time these things do happen or don't happen, you'll be better prepared for it. Mm. You mentioned that you're not originally from uh, Ottawa or even Canada. I nope. learned that you're from Uganda. Yeah. So my family's Ugandan, but I was born in Kenya at the time because, you know, like um, a lot of, you know, people coming from immigrant countries, uh, there was a civil war in my country. Uh, Idi Amin was around, uh, not really a nice guy. Um, <laughs> And due to that, my family had to flee. We fled to Kenya at the time, mm. and I was born there. And then from Kenya, we came to Canada in 1990. And mm. um, yeah, we got our citizenship in 94. Mm. And we've lived in Ottawa ever since. What did your mom and dad was doing before the Civil War? Um, well, my dad worked for, um, he worked for the government. He was, a, he was a government employee at the time. Like, he worked for the government and the, uh, he was an engineer. Mm. Uh, so he, and then my mom, she was, uh, she was an, she was an administrative, like she did administrative work as well for the government. They really have to leave. Yeah. So that's the thing. So it's like, you know, it's, uh, it was just very unstable times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my uncle Paolo, who was born on my birthday, mm-hmm. he was someone who died because of due to the civil war. Mm-hmm. And that's why I named Victor Paolo. I named after my uncle Paolo who mm-hmm. had the same birthdays I did and he passed away before I was born. So. You know, it, it greatly impacted my family and a lot of families in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those civil wars, like a lot of other immigrant families whose, you know, families were 
you know, torn apart due to civil wars as well. Mm-hmm. So you guys had to leave. Were there people that refuses to leave? Of course. I mean, like, even, like, look at Ukraine right now, right? There's still people who are still in the cities that are getting bombed every every day, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the, it's it's something about, um, you know, that's, that's where your people are from and your people's people, like, back to the Stone Age where they're from, mm-hmm. right? And and it's it's a lot to just pack up and leave. My family came to Canada. My parents had two suitcases and three kids. You know, mm-hmm. I can't imagine doing that in today's age, but, you know, they did that, and, and here we are today, so... It takes a lot of, uh, it's a lot of risk. It's only got to have a lot of hope, got to have a lot of faith. Um, you know, that's the big thing, you know, and, and you got to, some people just aren't able to leave. Yeah. Too, right. So that, that's the other thing. That's the worst part when they cannot leave. And I love when people make fun of them. Just leave. They can't leave. They don't have money. Or not even money. It's just, uh, it's just they have people who they have to care for who can't leave, and it's just, it's, it's just, you know, or, or, or who knows, you know what I mean? Like, maybe, maybe someone is a, a nurse locally, and, and they don't want to leave because they know that they're needed in the city when all this stuff is happening, right? Or, mm-hmm. or you know, a lot of times, you know, as scary as it is, a lot of schools are still running, right? Because there's still kids who are there, there's still teachers who are there, there's still schools, so they try to live a sense of normality, so even though there's a war zone going around. So, you know, it's, uh, there's still a community still trying to be a community with all these things happening, you know, and, and, and the, the harsh reality of, of life is there's a cost to everything. And, mm-hmm. and if you're someone who's a family with five kids and you only have a certain amount of, of money in your pocket, you're going to put that money towards the potential of maybe paying someone to try to get you out that might not work, or you're going to try to put that towards putting food in the mouths of your children and your family, right? So people have to make all kinds of decisions. And mm. like you said, it's, it's it's not as easy as just getting up and going. And my family was lucky enough to, and you were lucky enough to, and, you know, I always think that, you know, we're, we're the, we're the lucky ones, you know, we're able to get out because there's a lot of people who weren't able to, mm. but at the same time, again, it's a beautiful place now. And there are people who've stayed and, and they've been part of the rebuild and, and they're, and they're prospering and, and taking advantage of all, of the beautiful things that Uganda has to offer, just like many places which have been war torn, you know that eventually, once the war is done, there's unity and and there's rebuild and and you know the beauty gets eventually restored to all of our the beautiful places we're from. Mm-hmm. You mentioned lucky ones. Do you put extra pressure for you to quote unquote succeed in life because of the fel- the feeling of being a lucky one? Um, I feel like. You know, I, I always I always say to myself, you know, my trajectory in my life is I could have been in Uganda and and where, what could I have been doing, right? So the fact that I'm out here, I try to make sure that I I make the most of every opportunity that I'm that I'm that I'm given and try to put my best foot forward every every time as well. Because you know, at the same time too, is you know, like you know, the like as any immigrant. You want to be able to do a good job so that the next person who comes behind you will be able to have an easier way to do. For me, the way I see it is, you know, the better, the best of a job I do, the better of an impression I make, the easier I make it for the next person who looks like me, who's trying to do what I'm trying to do, Hmm. you know, versus if I come in here and I, when I do a bad job and I misrepresent myself, I misrepresent my people it's going to be a lot harder for someone like myself to try to do what I do. And I, and I'm putting this 
to everything that I do. I'm not speaking about anything specifically. This is to everything I do, whether or not it's how I am as a citizen living in Ottawa, making sure that as a citizen in Ottawa who's an immigrant, but a now Canadian citizen, that every time that I'm ever doing anything, I'm, I'm respectable, I'm polite, I'm nice. So that way people's interactions with people like myself will maybe open their minds to being like, wow, I had no idea. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, so it's just, it's all about just trying to be the best person you can be and, and trying to give your best effort forward because at the end of the day, it's up to you, right? Um, to create opportunities for yourself. My parents, two suitcases decided to come across to live in a totally different part of the world mm-hmm. and look at the opportunities to create it for someone like myself. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. How old were you when you moved? Six. I was five, turning six years old when I moved here. My God. Do you remember it? Uh, not really, no. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know. Uh, you know, the, the, the human mind is, is funny, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it does a good job at, at blocking things out, uh, which, which you know, for its own reason. So I'm sure it was a traumatic thing, right? Just moving from one part of the world to the other. Mm-hmm. People speak a different language here. I didn't speak the English language till I was about like 10, 11 years old properly. I didn't mm-hmm. read properly till I was like 12, 13, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. it was a struggle adjusting for myself, for sure. Definitely. Did you get bullied because of, of that? Of course, man. I got a funny ass name, man. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we got funny names. We look different. We dress different. We eat weird mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know what I mean? This is, this is like 1990s, right? This isn't mm-hmm. like 2023 where everything is kumbaya. And, <laughs> and you know, it's, it was a different time. You know, it was, uh, it was rough. I mean, fighting every day was was you know just the what it had to be you know i just mm-hmm. but you know this was the times and that's what it was and and again it's it's kids being kids you know like kids could be mean <laughs> mm-hmm. they're just they're just afraid you know sometimes they don't understand and sometimes they learn it from other people well, that's what i mean like you know we're you know i'm an 80s baby so you know we're a different generation of people like it was it was a different time back then there was no mm-hmm. barack obama you know what i mean there was no you know, people you can look at like that so much. I mean, let Nelson Mandela, sure, you know, like he was someone, but in apartheid and all that, but the internet wasn't a thing back then. So mm-hmm. you, you didn't really, it wasn't really something which like kids have phones and tablets in their hands and they can learn about things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that back then, you know, like it was, yeah. it was different. <laughs> but the funny thing is, even to this day, people believe that Africa is a country. Yeah, and, and, and that's, um, and, 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 you know, this is uh, part of the, the educating, like, I'm sure, you know, like, people think, you know, like, the Philippines is, is, is one giant country like Canada. Mm-hmm. They don't understand it's a bunch of different islands, right? <laughs> and it's a bunch of different, you know, cultures and a bunch of different languages on, you know, a bunch of different, it's not just one. It is, well, you, you guys are one people, but, it, you know what I mean, but within the people, like, it's, like, yeah. you, know, you, have, like you know, it's different. So that's the thing. So like the way you educate people on that, I'm sure sometimes the same way you got to educate people that, you know, Uganda's on the East Coast, you know, Africa is a, is a continent, actually. Um, you know, it's a bunch of different countries, a bunch of different cultures. You know, you could be living, you could be Algerian where you look kind of North African, where you might look like you're kind of more Arabic, you know, but they're still African. You know, you can be from a place like Sudan where they're really dark, but they're still African. You know, you can still be from a place like, you know, South Africa where there's, you know, people that look European, but they're still African, you know, mm-hmm. so it's it's a very diverse place. 
Yeah, that kills me. That kills me when they're like, "Oh, you Ugandan? I know this guy. He's Ugandan. You know him?" <laughs> you know, and, and and the funny thing is, is we got a pretty tight knit Ugandan community. So, um, the the bad part is, is five times out of ten they're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially not, you, because you're really <laughs> you're a public person and you're very active with the community. You know, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, um, even with the with the young Ugandan kids in the community, I always try to make sure I'm. I reach out as much as I can and just, just, and, and most importantly for me, it's just the young African kids in Ottawa. Um, you know, the teenagers, the, the, the kids on the come up for me, it's, it's, I like to try to be an example by my actions, not just my words. So, you know, when they, when they look at my Instagram page or they look at my social media, you know, they, they always see, I'm always promoting positive things and doing positive things. And I'm never spreading negativity or, or hate. Or, or or negative talk about anything. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to, you know, preach unity and 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 being collaborative and being supportive of your brothers, you know, because and your sisters as well. Um, because it's one thing to tell people to do it, but it's another thing to actually do it. And and I don't just do it just to do it to be like, you know, I want them to follow me. I do it because that's just who I am and that's what I do. And you know, yeah. I, I like try to be a positive role model. I try to be a positive example for a lot of the young African first-generation immigrant kids because I know what their experience is like because I went through the exact same things they did because I was just like them as well. So I try to be someone who they can look at and be like, you know what, if this is what Victor Pablo is doing, this is what he does. And he came here with his family with two suitcases like we did. You know, I can do that as well too, if not do better mm-hmm. than he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I like about you too is like you don't play the victim card. No, there's no yeah. time for that, bro. There's no time for the victim. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, you spend more time crying wolf than actually doing, than actually, you know, doing something about things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of, as you know, being an immigrant, a lot of crappy things happen all the time. And I guess part of being an immigrant too is we, you know, like a good Catholic turn the other cheek, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and we keep it moving, you know, versus... Um, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of, you know, I'd like to see a lot more standing up for what's right. Hmm. And I'd like to be able to create even, you know, let's say there's a, a resource or a place that if you're an immigrant and you're working somewhere and you know, you're getting mistreated and you know that, you know, they're purposely taking advantage of the fact of immigrant, you can go to this group or this association and they'll be able to represent you hmm. and make sure this doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. that's the kind of stuff I would like. I'm sure there's services like that, you know what I mean? Like, let me not misspeak, but, mm. but, you know, that's the kind of stuff which I think would be important is that, you know, instead of us crying wolf, it's, you know, let's create systems and let's create places and channels that people who are being mistreated aren't necessarily crying wolf, but they're saying, hey, this is happening and let's correct that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I don't play the victimhood card too. I don't have time for that. You know, and if somebody approaches me with the victimhood, like, oh, you know, this is what they do, and I'll no, it doesn't work that way. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, sometimes I'll speak to some family members, and you know, they work in a company, and they'll do, with all due respect, it's a menial job, let's say. And the, of course, they'll have different people that they work with. They'll say, but most of the time, they'll say, oh, you know, there's a Canadian, there's white people, they're lazy, and I will step back and I'll say, uh. What's the ethnicity of the president of your company and the main managers? 
and they'll say, "Why? You cannot be lazy to get into that position. You're just getting the, unfortunately, the bad seed, let's say. But you cannot lump some them in one basket. It doesn't. It's not fair. Because that's the same thing which you and that's what I always say: treat others like you like to be treated. Because there's nothing worse for you know for them for to feel like oh, they're always treating us this way because we're like this, right? Mm-hmm. But then it's you're doing the same thing by by saying like you said by saying that, right? So it's you know it's um you, you got to be careful with that kind of a thing. You know that's why for me like I always say. You know, to try to lead by example, try to be the be the change that you want to be. So if you if you're working with a bunch of people that you think are lazy, then do work at the effort or the standard that you feel that you should be working at. Hmm. And then if you're working at that standard that's better than everyone else, then chances are, if in in, in an ideal situation, you'll be elevated to a higher place at your work because they see that you're bringing a better quality of work to your or, or you're just or and even just for me, it's. It's not even that. It's just I feel better as a person knowing that when I go in, regardless of what anyone's doing, I'm going to do my best and I'll feel better about myself at the end of the day because I know I've done my best. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not about what the person to the left of me is doing with the person to the right. Because for all you know, this person could be going through some crazy personal emotional stuff. They could be going through some crazy stuff at home and they can't do their job well because that's what's going on. They could be having a crazy health something that they're going through. And that's why they can't do their job well. But for you to sit and and make those judgments, it's not fair because you don't know the full story, right? The same way that we don't like whenever we're misjudged because it's not fair. Like, for example, if you just moved to the country, you can't speak the language correctly. It's not fair that people think that you're you're not smart. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're not smart. You just don't know how to articulate your thoughts in the language they understand. But chances are, you actually have a master's degree in engineering from where you're from. And you're one of the smartest people in your whole entire, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean. So it's it's never fair. It's never right to judge. And that's why for me, I, I don't like to, because I didn't speak English. Again, like I said, it took me like, I moved here when I was five. I didn't speak proper English till I was about like 10, 11 mm-hmm. years old. I didn't properly read till I was 12, 13. Mm-hmm. That didn't mean I was any less of a person. I just had a harder time adjusting. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I remember that too. When I when I moved here, I was twenty, turning twenty one, and I I'm okay with English, but you know it's not as good now. And my plan was to be quiet the whole time and just learn how people speak and how you know the intonations and everything else. And then after a few months, I then I start talking and I said, "Oh, suddenly you start talking like you before you were so quiet." And I said. I was always been like this. I was just practicing my, you know, my inner dialogue. Yeah. You know, but anyways, we're getting too serious here. This is the, the topic I really want to talk about. Basketball. Yeah. Every time there's a hooper that comes on, I always ask these two questions. First, who's your basketball goat? Um, I mean, obviously Jordan. But like that, the reason when I say Jordan to me is because that's who I grew up watching, right? Like I'm not going to discredit Kareem, not going to discredit Russ, um, not Westbrook, obviously, um, Bill Russell. Um, rest in peace. You know what I mean? Exactly. Rest in peace, the goat. You know what I mean? So I'm not mm. ever going to discredit all those people from those generations. Just for me, Michael Jordan is who I watched in my basement with <laughs> my basketball. 
trying to replicate his moves. He's the <laughs> one whose shoes I've always wanted, right? So mm-hmm. that's to me is who my goat is, is Jordan. He was the dude, man. How about top five lineup of all time? Um, Probably Bill Russell at the five. Um, At the four, I'd put um, LeBron. Hmm. At the three, I'd put uh, I'd put Katie at the three. Mm-hmm. At the two position, MJ, obviously. Um, and my point guard, um, Giannis. Giannis. All right. Wow. I love the lineup. Very different. Very defensive. Very defensive with one offense. Like, I mean, Katie can shoot the threes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and basically, if you got if you got Giannis, LeBron, Bill Russell setting you screens. Oh yeah, you're not going through. <laughs> you're not. You're not going through. So Katie's going to get open threes at every opportunity, mm-hmm. and then LeBron could space the floor, as well as he's a point guard as well. So LeBron can run the point. Katie can run the point. LeBron can run the point. Giannis can run the point. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, set screens and clear the way for MJ. <laughs> you know, Love it. His, MJ can hit his mid ranges. So, you know, Katie's got the threes. MJ's got the mid ranges. LeBron could, you know, does a great job of penetrating and kicking out. Mm-hmm. Bill Russell can just, you know, take care of the entire paint. <laughs> you know, I love it. I love it. And then Giannis, Giannis. Yeah, Giannis is Giannis. You know, he's going to do that Euro step and you're not going to stop it. That's the thing, man. When Giannis is focused, like he'll drop, you know, 40 and 20 you know, when he wants to. You know, like they don't forget, Giannis is only playing like 30 minutes a game, like 29 minutes a game. He's not playing 40 minutes every every night. Yeah. Giannis is he's chilling. Like, it's not so. It's like when I see that that freak train going down half court, and I, you need to pick him up now because you're not stopping him. But the thing is, exactly, and that's the thing. And he's 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 good. He's, he's he works hard. Yeah, he finds a way. Speaking of that, remember that what James Harden said about. When he said that, oh, I, I'm six, whatever. Games. Yeah, if you're tall, you don't have to work on your skills. Do you agree with that? Um, yeah, because a lot of people in the NBA space, you can't, you can't coach height. Hmm. That's one thing I always say: you cannot coach height. Can't coach height. I can't coach you to be six ten. I can't coach you, Aaron. Mm-hmm. I cannot coach you to be seven foot. You know <laughs> I, I mean? wish like, I'm seven I, foot. <laughs> I can't, but I can't coach you to do that. You know what I mean? I can mm-hmm. coach you to do a James Harden step back. I can coach you how to dribble like James Harden through the defense and Euro step to a lay. I can coach you to do all that. I can't personally, but you know, what I mean? we can get you coached to do mm-hmm. that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like we can coach you to do all those skills and all those trainings that James Harden does. Like all, anyone could, you know, that's hundred one trainers are trained to do that. You mm-hmm. can't train someone to be six foot ten. You can't train someone to be six foot eleven. You can't train someone to be seven foot tall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of coaching, do you coach? I coach at St. Pat's for 15, 16, and seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of three Pete uh, out of a local high school, same high school that Merrill Shayok went to, um, St. Patrick's High School. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, after COVID, you know, took a took a break from it. You know, focusing on the family and um, and the and the and the kind of kind of focusing on the career and the family. But, you know, coaching was great because it gives you a chance to uh, – I, I did a lot of announcing, but the one thing I liked a lot about coaching at St. Pat's um, with Maggie Coastlag is it gave me a chance to uh, have a bigger role in the mentorship with a lot of the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, for me, is 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 my biggest thing that I, that I, that I cherish from, from the coaching. You know, the championships are great. We won a three-peat, um, mm-hmm. you know, at St. Pat's. 
Um, it's a big accomplishment to do that. And that's at the highest level. Hmm. Um, but for me, the biggest accomplishment is seeing a lot of the players who I coached who are now playing professional, making money, you know, earning, earning a living playing the sport of basketball. Hmm. People who are, who I coached who are now went to post-secondary school. Um, not only before, before they get to play pro, they went to post-secondary school, got a post-secondary education. That for me is huge. You know, it's, it's, it changes the trajectory of their life. It changes the trajectory of, of their family as well. So just by being able to do these type of things. So, and, and these kids are coming from neighborhoods where a lot of their peers, you know, died from gun violence. You know, a lot of their peers, you know, in jail, a lot of their peers might have graduated. A lot of their peers did graduate. A lot of the peers did a lot of great things, but there, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a whole lot of different influences going out of school, coming from a school like from St. Pat's, where a lot of them are first generation immigrants, like myself. You know, I went to St. Pat's Intermediate um, when I was growing up, and then we moved before I went to the high school. But I totally get what it's like for a lot of those kids because I was I went to the same, you know, I lived in Uplands. You know, my I had cousins in Hetherington. Fairly, you know, so I was at Russell, I was in the same neighborhoods these kids were in these neighborhoods living, you know, know exactly what it's like. I know exactly what, you know, that world is and, and, and try to get out of that and make it to a next level and have a better future for yourself. So that's why for, for me, it's really big to try to use my influence as much as I can to guide a lot of our youth in a positive direction. And mm -hmm. I know. It's I love coaching fun. too. I miss it. I miss coaching. I used to coach, uh, like, a just a house league uh, for 13, 14 year olds. And obviously, COVID happened and we had to stop, but I miss it and I love it. Yeah, I wish I have more time. That's the other thing is time. You know, right now, time for me, time, the focus, you know, for me right now, it's, it's the family and the career, right? Like, that's where my, mm -hmm. my two focuses are right now. And, um, but as much as I can in my spare time, I always tell the, like, I, I still announce the local high school Ottawa All-Star game. I still announce, you know, um, a couple of little local events as well, too. So I always tell the kids when I, when I see them, I was like, man, add me on Instagram. I'll follow you back. Message me. Take my number down. Hmm. Reach out to me as a resource. Like, I'm always here. If you ever have a job interview, I'll be your reference. Anything. You're trying to get a job. I'll help you get a job. I'll help you fix your resume. Like, whatever. You know, whatever I can do to help them in any capacity because for me it's it's nothing for me to do that like what for me to be someone's reference what is that two minutes out of my life it's nothing but that can help them earn a job which can put them in a situation where they're not going to just be hanging out all the time doing nothing right so it's it's whatever i can do to help influence them and then the friends see them getting a job they're like oh now you got money they could do this stuff now they want to get a job and and earn some legitimate money as well too because there's a lot of influences for kids these days, you know, to, to make money all kinds of ways too, right? So it's, it's, uh, can I, can I, can I blame these kids? Of course not. Like I said, I, I know what it's like being them, right? Like I know what it's like, you know what I mean? So I get it. I get it. I get it a hundred thousand percent. That's why for me, it's like, as long as I can just try to be a bit of a positive influence, like I said, you know what I mean? I'm not there to change the world. I'm just there to just be a tiny bit of positivity. Hmm. And most likely, some of these youth, they do not have their father living with them. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, that's 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 just a uh, you know, it's it's you're not wrong. You know, in terms of just it's uh, it's a problem that that that's that's there, and that's why for me, it's important to be a positive male role model, hmm. more specifically to a lot of the young males. Um, you know, that's who I really you know 
cater my mentorship towards is, 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 is the young, you know, African males. You know, a lot of them, the fathers are back home. They sent the families to Canada, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no male at home. They're the oldest one at home. Culturally, they're the ones who have to, you know, take a lot of responsibility, mm-hmm. right? But a lot of their other friends, oh God, they don't have to do stuff they got to do. Right? <laughs> they get to be just regular 13, 14 year old kids, right? Yeah. But so like, but I get that. Like, I totally get that. Like, I get it. You know, I mean, I had both parents. I'm lucky enough to, but, you know, mm-hmm. but still growing up as an immigrant, you have, you have other friends who don't. So you see these situations and you see, you know, the importance of, of, of meeting positive male role yeah. models. Yeah, definitely. That, it's that, so that important. Look like them. That's an important thing too. That that look like them. You know what I mean. That that that's another important thing. You know what I mean. It's yeah. Someone who you, you can look at and it's like, okay, this guy, he he's, he looks like me. He understands what I'm going through. Yeah, you know, like I, I love what you said that that you look up and you they see their face on you and and obviously you know what they went they're going through and there's more approachability because of that. That's exactly it. You know, representation matters, you know, and, and and for me to be on TV, you know, it's like seeing guys like Donovan Bennett, you know, who was on TV, you know, cabbie uh, on the street who was on TV doing sports stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. seeing guys like them, you know, made it possible for me to to think about seeing myself on TV. And I was always said, people, when I, ever since I was announcing people, I was like, oh, it's like, you want to be an announcer when you're older? And it's like, you know, like, you know, is this your, your big goal is to be like a same, to be an announcer for the Raptors and. I say, you know, announcing for the Raptors is fun and all, but, you know, I'd love to be a, I'd love to be a sportscaster. Like, I'd love to be someone who reports on local sports. I'd love to be a guy that that reports on local stories in the community. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'd, I'd love to be someone who's just a voice of our people to the people so to kind of, you know, I don't know. There's just a lot of great things happening, which there's only so much time, only so much resources, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned about representation. I want to ask you something. Representation is beautiful, obviously, 100%. But do you believe that some people are getting hired as a diversity hire? Uh, you know, it's funny, right? Because right now, in in these times, you know, I, I would be someone who would be considered, let's say, um, you know, you'd want... To, you know, versus like, let's say in the 1920s, right, where you're not necessarily seeking at having someone that looks myself, that looks mm-hmm. like myself on television, right? And now we're in 2023, we're moving towards a time where if you look at um, the NHL All-Star Games, you guys had, there were, there were black judges, like, you know, who are judging the All-Star Game, like black guys, you know, like, and, and um, I think one of the Subans was doing, uh, he was one of the, the in-game hosts. Um, you know, a black hockey player, right? So hmm. um, for me, like, that's really cool. Um, putting on TSN and seeing a black hockey analyst, right? Like, that's really cool to me because growing up, you tell me a black hockey analyst, I'll tell you, kick rocks, like, that's impossible, right? Like, <laughs> um, but, but again, like, you know, but to see that now, you know, it's, it's totally cool. So um, for me, I think it's just, I'm incredibly blessed to be avail- to be able to do what I'm doing in this time that we live in. Um, because again, like I said, if I was trying to do this in 1920, it'd be the polar opposite end of the scale versus now it's um, someone like myself is being given a chance to showcase what I can do. Like the weather, for example, right? Um, not to say it's a diversity hire, but just in terms of just like um, the fact that there, that 
organizations and companies are open to hiring and looking at people of color to be represented on screen. Our host for CBC, Omar, is he's someone of color, right? Like, which is totally cool. One of our our hosts, Rochelle Sufi, she's someone of color, right? Like our one of our hosts, Nicole, um, Nicole Williams, she's someone who's of color as well, too, right? Like we have such a diverse staff at CBC. It's it's so beautiful to see, right? And it feels great to be a part of that. And I'm not going to say that they only do these hires based on diversity, but what I'm saying is, is that they're, they give the opportunities to not just one demographic. It's great to see that more than one demographic, that all demographics have an opportunity. And, you know, and, and I think that the whole diversity hire thing I think it's it's important in terms of companies realizing and recognizing you must have other voices in the room. And I think that's the way you have to look at adversity, at diversity hiring. It's not diversity hiring as in I have to have one out of four people have to be X, two out of five have to be Y. You have to look at it like if you're in a room of five people, you don't want four of the five people all looking and sounding the same and only one is different because then you're not really painting the proper picture you're not really telling the proper story but then if you have someone if i'm if i'm in a room and i'm and i have to do a hockey story and it's me and you in a, in a room and like three other basketball guys that story's gonna suck <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't care what you're gonna tell me that story's gonna suck mm-hmm. right but i don't then know anything about have, hockey but exactly. But if you have in the room, right, a hockey player, a tennis player, a basketball player, a baseball player, now the hockey player can tell the story, but then the tennis player might have a perspective that's different than the baseball player's perspective that's different than the basketball player's perspective. And now you're telling a holistic story that now appeals to more than just one person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way the world is moving. And as we want to move in a direction that we're not just talking and appealing to one person, we're, we're talking and including everybody in the conversation. And that's that's my angle and, and how I see diversity. I'm sure companies have their their legal writing and what they mean by diversity hire, but this is my Victor Paolo perspective on it. I love it. I love it. They're not my guest, you know? <laughs> that's it, you know? So, that, so that's, that's how I see it. You know, that's why... That's how I, I see diversity hires, and that's how I see um, how diversity hires play an important role, especially when it comes to media and it comes to sports as well, too, right? Like, um, I, I announced volleyball for Algonquin, and it's really cool seeing teams um, which have black volleyball players. Hmm. The Georgian Grizzlies, one of their captains is from Nigeria, right? And I can honestly say I've, I've never seen a, a, a black Nigerian male volleyball player in my life until I announced his games. And that's so cool being able to do that. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. but this is just a testament to the times we're in, like the schools, the, the the sports, the everything, and we're all inclusive and including everyone in it. The basketball teams, which I played, which I announced for uh, last year, there were two different teams that had, um, um, I don't know the correct wording. So I'm going to say it this way. There were players on the women's basketball teams, which, were I which identified with the LGBTQ uh, the that that the community right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the the cool thing was with that is that 
these were players who 10 years ago wouldn't be allowed to play on these teams, mm-hmm. right? Because of how they identify themselves, right? But then now they're playing on the women's basketball team in a league. And that's, and, and that's for me is, is a sign of, of the way the world is moving in a more inclusive kind of way. So mm-hmm. not only in just diversity hires, but also in, in including other people that might not identify the same as you identify or I identify. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned those players. If you don't mind me asking, were yeah. they born male and identify as women? Uh, now, and this is where I, I, I'd like to say, I don't technically know the, 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 the scientific or the, or the, or the, what it is, mm-hmm. uh, or what the, what the factual, uh, uh official is. Um, mm-hmm. but what I, what I, what I, what I can say is that, um, um, is that they were, they were, they were definitely, you know, they, it was, it was noted that they were, there were individual players on, on one, on one of the Seneca Centennial, one of the, like, the teams and, and, um, what was it? I think Centennial, yeah, Centennial was a team. Centennial Colts had the team and, uh, and yeah, and I think that player doesn't play anymore because I think they said that, uh, that player fully transitioned now and because they fully transitioned, they're now no longer able to play. But I think they were in the process of at the time, which was still within the rules of allowing them to play. But I think now that they're fully transitioned into, um, I think, uh, not, able to they're not able to play in the, in the women's basketball team anymore because they're fully transitioned now but before they were able to last um year because they were in that process mm-hmm. um yeah really good basketball player though like you know, this this player was getting like 25 rebounds like 25 my god man dennis rodman 20, over here like 26 points a game like uh this this basketball player was very uh this basketball player was a force on the court wow. that's amazing <laughs> let me tell you yeah it was Speaking of force, you were a force too when you were playing uh, football. Football is my sport. Yeah, I played quarterback uh, way back in the day. Yeah, that was my sport. How did you get into that? Uh, my older brother played football, and mm. uh, that's who got me into football. And you know, uh, that was, was was there on ever since. You know, after seven years old, I played all the way through till I was twenty four. Uh, my last year playing mm-hmm. semi pro. So yeah, it was uh, quite the ride, quite the journey. What stopped you from playing? Uh, I was 24, played semi-pro. Um, I was just ready to just start working, making money. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you, you weren't making much money, right? No, it was like I was just finished being a student, right? Like I just graduated. Like I was done being oh, a student. Okay. You know, you're working, you know, little jobs here and there, you know, before you start working, before you get, you know, fully start being a professional, you know, start your career. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. start that whole, you know, so... I, I played some semi-pro football, but, you know, it was at that time where I was like, all right, 24, about to turn 25. Like, you know, like, am I really going to take this professionally or or am I just going to, you know, hang up the cleats here? And I said, you know, it's going to hang it up. I had a good season, had a good career. And, you know, I, I left on a good note. I didn't Tom Brady it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. And that's one of the challenges for athletes is when to stop. It, it, especially you it doesn't matter if you make it the nba or whatever level you stop it some of them has problems letting go that that's your level and that's it and that's okay yeah, no, i was pretty self-aware that's the other thing too it's like you know um 
it's it was just uh I was just ready to start my career really. And the thing about playing football in Canada is that even if you play for the CFL, like you know, a lot of the guys that play in the CFL have 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 real jobs, right? Like hmm. outside of playing for the CFL. So it's and it's and it's and I don't know, like it was it was it was it was a good run, like I said. I loved it, it was fun, and I started coaching right after that. So like it's it's life after, right? Like I was ready to start passing on my knowledge. I was ready to start, hmm. you know connecting with the next generation, you know, because I, I, at that time, um, I was announcing, but like, you know, I was still playing football. So I wasn't as connected with the community like I am now. So that mm. was kind of when I started really connecting with the community full time mm. and getting involved a lot more. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for athletes that have reached their potential and they can't break it? Uh, not really, because, you know, who am I to tell an athlete, don't get that bag, right? Like, if they can still sign another contract playing a, playing another season in Europe, you know what I mean? If they can still sign another contract playing, you know, or they can sign another contract, getting money to be on the bench, get your money, bro. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not going to ever tell you not to, because the last thing, because it's it's eventually, what, to not play pro to come work a desk job? Like, no, man, like, you're playing sports, you're being healthy, mm. you know what I mean? You're, 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 you're able to get your heart rate good, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you get to see the world get to travel different places, man, go live your life, man. Like, Hells yeah. Ottawa is always going to be here. Some desk job will always be here. Some manager that doesn't know what they're talking about that's ready to stress you out is always going to be here. You know, so get your money, man. That's my thing. Get your money as long as you can. Hells yeah. First of all, <laughs> you're playing the game that you love, making money and traveling. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. People want to hate on Tom Brady, but I mean, hey, I mean, you tell me, how many times you get to travel to different cities and, you know, live the, the life. Yeah. You, the life. Know? you know, there's I mean? a, there's a comedian. Uh, what's his name? I forgot his name that says, if you're somebody's going to pay me $400,000 to sit at the bench for the Packers, I'm taking that 400,000. Yeah, man. I don't care. I'll take a hundred thousand sit on the bench. Get out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? okay. I'll take it in Canadian dollars too. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned a few times that you're a announcer for basketball. How did you get into that? How did it start? Um, when I was going to Vanier College playing football there, it was mm. a job opening to be an announcer and you can get paid to watch basketball. And my friends play basketball. So I said, well, I'm always here anyway. So <laughs> I tried it out and they were like, man, it's not bad. And I, and I enjoyed it. The players liked it. I liked it. Mm -hmm. And then it stuck. And then I, I after one year at Vanier, came back to Algonquin. And then there was a, a, a job posting to be the varsity announcer for all the sports and you get to get paid to watch sports. And mm -hmm. so I said, I'm in. So ever since then, the rest is history. Yeah. What did you finish in college? Business management, small, medium enterprise management. So basically, uh, you learn how to create and manage. Uh, you, you either create or start your own small, medium business, or if you're going to be a, a manager in any capacity of a small, medium business. So. Mm -hmm. Is that even journalism? That. No, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm not even a journalism background guy. Like, I didn't go to school for journalism, didn't go to school for meteorology. I went to school for business. And, you know, when I was done that, I created my brand, Victor Pablo Incorporated. And that's all my, uh, all my announcing, all the stuff I've done ever since. That's fascinating. I also read that you got dropped by the Algonquins as the, the announcer. How did it affect your confidence? Uh, no, it was, it, was, it was a transitionary period because they were they had a broadcasting program, part of that broadcasting program, they wanted to have their students do the announcing and the broadcasting for the game. So 
you know what? Like that's that's a way better opportunity for them. You know, it's something which they get to do. I already graduated. I'm taking up a seat for someone who can use it for a learning opportunity. But that also helped me rebrand because from there I ended up announcing a lot of high schools in Toronto. So I announced Andrew Wiggins High School at Vaughn. Um, also where Andrew Dem- Andrew Nemar who plays for the Indiana Pacers. I got to announce his high school games and his playing at Vaughn. Um, I got to announce guys like Angus Bragdikas who plays for the Andrew Magic. Um, you know, I got to announce guys like uh, Lugans Dortz, who plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder, mm. Jamal Murray, who plays for the uh, who plays for the Denver Nuggets. You know, Dylan Brooks. I got to announce him. These are all guys. I'm talking about. I got to announce him in high school. Uh, Dylan Brooks. I got to announce his final high school game in Offsa. Awesome. Um, you know, the list goes on. You know, but it's just so cool being able to, you know. So th- that's what I was doing is announcing high school because I knew that high school in Toronto was like the next frontier. Like. A lot of these guys are going to like big D1 schools. So I was like, if I want to get myself recognized or if I want to up my profile, I got to do that. So I did OPSA championships and, you know, I did a lot of Ontario basketball. And, you know, for a whole five years, I was traveling all across Ontario, Quebec, just doing games, you know. So Ooh. that's how I got my name out. It's how I got my brand out. And, you know, that's what got and that's what that's what kept my name relevant. So it's, you know, all that hard work definitely paid off, you know. And, and, I, and I always believe if you have the time, the energy, you got to do everything when you're young. Because for me right now to have to start doing road tripping like I was doing <laughs> 10, 12 years ago, I mean, I'll do it, but it's it'll it'll take a lot out of me. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm doing tournaments where it's like, you know, like 20 games in like three days. Like, oh, my God. How do you keep your throat fresh? You know, God, <laughs> you know, but it, it, but I loved it, though. You know, Father Henry Carr, I did I did their tournaments over there as well, too. Legendary school, Nike Early Bird Classics. You know, I did a whole lot of pro-ams in Toronto in the summer, you know, being able to announce NBA players when they came down to play in the summer. Mm-hmm. I did Drake's OVO Bounce when it was uh, at Ryerson's. That's Drake's big basketball tournament. Man, like, I had to run. You know what I mean? And all that. And all that led to all these great things I got to do. I got to do Kobe Bryant's final All-Star game when I was in Toronto. Yeah. Um, you know, I got to meet him over there. Like, you know, like that was... You had a picture? Really cool. No, I didn't. I didn't. So I made sure I didn't, Why? I didn't ask for a picture of any players. Because the thing is, it's like I was given the opportunity to be in a space where it's just like athletes and certain individuals. Okay. So this is a comfortable This is a comfortable space for them, knowing that not everyone's going to... No one's going to be having their phones out. No one's going to try mm. to... You know I mean, so it was it was a place where I got to just just have a conversation with people. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and that's the that's another thing which which I always do is whenever I'm announcing, whenever I'm doing stuff, it's as much as I want to always take pictures and ask for autographs with all these kind of players. Um, you know, you want to also not treat them like everyone else treats them, mm-hmm. like a like a monkey in a zoo. You know what I mean? Like a or like an animal in a cage. You know, like hey, do this, do this, take a picture of me. Oh. you know like and for them to just meet someone just have a regular conversation like it's just it's just try to be different you know try to treat people normal try to treat people like like you would like to be treated you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. you know like so that's the other thing too and that's and and being able to be in a space like that no one's gonna want to talk to you you're that one guy who always has your phone out taking pictures yeah i've had the most legendary photos ever on my instagram right now Mm -hmm. but at the same time if i were to ever meet LeBron James again, or if I were to ever meet Emmanuel Moutier again, or if I ever mm-hmm. meet any of these guys again, um, it's never awkward. Or like when I see like Tyler Ennis, for example, who I got to announce his games when he was in college, great guy. Um, it's never awkward because it's like, 
I'm never that guy that's like, oh, Tyler, real quick, can I get a selfie? Like, you know, yeah. or like, yo, you, you send a quick video to my, to my, to my friend, you know what, ah. I mean? like, you know what I mean? Like, or can you, can you follow me on Instagram? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you don't want to be that guy applying that kind of pressure because then it's just going to be like, it's going to want to duck you every time. Right. So for me, it's like, you know, but you know, am I kicking myself for not asking Kobe for a picture? Of course, man. Every to this to this day. <laughs> to this you know day. You know what I mean? To this day. I regret <laughs> it. But at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 a memory I'm always going to have. It's right here. It's you in your I mean? mind. Like it's a memory I'm always gonna keep. So it's you know, I can yeah. take that to, I can take that See, with me. I to be honest, I completely agree that because I used to go to concerts a lot and I used to get VIP tickets. So I, I'm able to go in backstage, spend yeah. time with the band or the performers. Yeah. And I never enjoy it in a sense of because I see them with people just clamoring towards them, taking pictures. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, it exactly. kills me. And then eventually when the artist sees you and they talk to you, they're like, yo, I noticed you weren't being a, you know what I mean? You weren't being a crazy groupie. They're going to want to actually talk to you and they'll, and they'll give you five minutes of genuine conversation where they'll mm. tell you about, man, I want to eat this and I, I don't like this food. Or they'll tell you, man, I just got to start listening to this song, which I really like. You know what I mean? They'll start telling you stuff, which like, you know, not, not a lot of people, you know, tell you, you know what I mean? So like, I remember when I saw Kobe, you know, what was my conversation with Kobe? Like, I was like, man, Kobe, I said, I'm so sorry about this weather. Cause I was like minus 40 at the time. Right. I'm like, so sorry about this weather, man. Like it's Canada, you know, but we're glad to have you here, but I'm just so sorry. It's so cold. He's like, man, it's all good. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? But like, but, but you know, I got to smile. I got to, it's all good. And I got to adapt. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like for me, like that, that for me means more than any, any, any picture or anything. You know what I mean? But oh, one thing sure. I got to say is, is I should have had a videographer. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't get the blame, right? I'm just, I'm just doing my thing, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're doing your thing, but really, yeah. what are you gonna say? You, oh, good jump shot, by the way. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's why, and that's why you just, you know, you try to keep it funny. You know, it was minus forty, it's cold as hell outside. You apologize for the weather, but I control the weather. No, without the weather band, no. You know, so, mm -hmm. but it's just, it's just a, it's a ha 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 ha. Keep a moving conversation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, Kobe, like. Uh, what do you think about that game in, in 2005 when you're locked up against that and then and then remember you, you dribbled two crossovers to the right why didn't you do a dribble hesitate to the left and, and you know what i mean like yeah it's very nerdy yeah, in, like, in, in not a cool way nobody got time for that you know what i mean mm. nobody's got time for that i so love that's it why gotta, i love it yeah you gotta keep it organic yeah i love it i love it when you got that call to be an announcer for the nba all-star how were you feeling? Oh man. Um, well, it's, you know, you don't, they don't do calls no more. It's emails now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean? I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But like, you know, yeah. But, but, uh, when I got that email notification, um, man, I was working at Rogers call center and I was like, bro, it's like, it's like, Imagine you're working some job, shout mm. out Rogers, but imagine you're working some job, mm. right? Just the, the day in and out, the day, daily in and outs of your job, in and outs of your job. Mm. You know, a lot of time, you, you know, jobs, you know, they just, they, they, it applies pressure. It doesn't necessarily, jobs aren't really, you know, I will say where I'm working now at CBC is different. You know, they, they really encourage and support and promote you know, positive atmosphere, but 
when you're in certain sales environments where mm. basically it's like it's a it's a it's a pressure cooker right so you're always told what you're not doing well in you're always told how there's someone else doing better there's always metrics that show this that and the third so you're not necessarily not necessarily an environment where it's like you know hey you're the man you're great you're great you're awesome you're this guy so that email was like yo you are him you are <laughs> like you know what i mean you are that guy you know what i mean you're top dog you know what i mean so like and this isn't just in a in a in a, in a and this isn't in a space of a call center of 70 people mm-hmm. right this isn't in a space of the city of ottawa this isn't in a space of ontario this isn't in a space of Canada. This is in a space of this is the world. This is the mm. NBA. Like mm-hmm. this is so to be like a voice at that event. Bro, crazy. Bro, crazy. I will be like my chest will pop out. You'll be like, yo, what's up, homie? Did you know crazy. that? <laughs> crazy. I think that's back when it started where the bottom was that was that was a tune. Mm-hmm. Back then, you know, that was the uh, That was that. So, so, you know, so, you know, that song is definitely popping on, on repeat a whole lot of times, you know. <laughs> um, How excited were you to come home and tell the wife? Oh, man, like, it was, I was, it was disbelief. She came with me, obviously, you know what I mean, to the, to the, to the event. Mm-hmm. Um, my plus one, but like, it was crazy, man. Like, that was crazy. Like, like, she's my, like, she's my road dog. Like, everywhere we went, like, we're always, like, she always calling me to all my events. So, like. That was that was like big that we got to go there and that was also the same weekend as her birthday. Huh. So like we went out to uh one of one of my uh one of my clients at the time was uh big one of the biggest steakhouses in Toronto, downtown. Hmm. And I went down there and they they blessed it out, didn't hooked us up for like you know the dinner and everything. And then and we, it was during All Star weekend too. So like that was probably like Yeah, that was probably like I'm gonna say like top three all time experiences. That's For amazing. Sure. That's beautiful. Yeah, that was, that was beautiful. <laughs> minus 40 though. It was minus 40 though. It was minus 40. And I'll tell you a funny story though. I'll tell you a funny story about it though. Is that like um so like the reality of life is like I'm doing all this, but like I got my hoopty Honda cord <laughs> and my windshield wiper fluid had a hole, had a leak. No way! No, my watch, my, no, my steer, my power steering. Sorry, my power steering had a leak. So minus forty, power steering gone. Basically, I'm like refilling it, like every gas station, just for it to leak out. But yeah, we made it. We did it. You know what I mean? Like we, the whole weekend went through without it, without it, without a hitch. Hmm. Uh, made it back home. You know, but it's just like life is like that, though, right? Like, and that's the thing about life. It's Mm-hmm. It's a trip for me. It's I already say life is a trip because, like you know, like one time I'm in Kenya, next thing I'm in Canada. You know, mm-hmm. one time I'm working some job where it's like you know, man, I ain't shit, and then next thing you know, it's like you know, NBA All Star, and then like you know, it's you know, life is 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 crazy. So it's just it's always I'm a big believer in never getting too wrapped up in the moment, mm-hmm. right? So when things go bad. You know, there's eventually going to be some good that that's going to come around eventually, right? But you just got to ride these things out because regulate you know, your like, emotions. Yeah, you know, but celebrate mm-hmm. the good things when they happen because good things don't happen all the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, relish that, celebrate it, enjoy it, but also bottle it and keep it for a rainy day when things go bad, so you can remember. 
Amen. How, how good things can get too, right? Because, you know, things can get real dark sometimes. So it's always good to have those bottled moments. So you just look back and be like, you know what? You know, I made it to the NBA All-Star with no power steering and minus 40 <laughs> from Ottawa to Toronto, you know? So it's, That's you know, any, anything's possible. Dude, seeing your face and listening to the story, it makes me so happy. Yeah, man. Like it's, 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 it was beautiful, man. It, and that's, and this is just, uh, the gifts of life, man. These are things that life brings us mm-hmm. and not everyone gets these opportunities. That's the other thing too. So I'm well aware that I'm really blessed to get these opportunities. So that's you know, amen, um, amen. I, so when bad things happen, you know, I, I, I try, again, I don't, I try not to get wrapped up in it because, you know, God's working, you know, something's happening for, you know, it's whether it's to, to humble you to, 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 so you can appreciate whatever's coming or whatever it is, whatever, there's, it's all getting worked up out there. Mm-hmm. Like going back to Mamba, I remember he saying in one video that I saw that, let it go through you. Enjoy when you need to enjoy. If it's bad, let's just go through you. It's going to end. It's going to finish. Yeah, definitely. The sun's going to come up. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be an NBA franchise in Ottawa or somewhere in Montreal now? Ottawa, no. Montreal, mm. probably. Montreal. It's going to be Montreal, Vancouver, Calgary. You know. Big cities. Before Ottawa, yeah. Before yeah. Ottawa. I, I believe, though, with Quebec, but I think it's going to take a few more years. Just Montreal has a lot of NBA players. That's the other thing, right? So there's a lot yeah. more of a basketball connection. And Montreal is, a, is, is where all the big concerts go. It's more of a, it's an official place. Yeah. Ottawa gets looked, Ottawa gets passed on. I love Ottawa, by the way. Don't don't get me wrong. I love Ottawa. We, we spent uh, a few days in Ottawa last summer. Listen, cause... if I only spent a few days here, I'd love it. I'm kidding. I love Ottawa, too. <laughs> it's... it's, it's, it's <laughs> It's different. It's different. It's different. It's a different way of life here. It's not Montreal. No. You know, I'm glad I spent my time in Montreal when I did. You know, I failed out of my program because I had such a great time. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I learned, I learned a lot of life lessons in my time in Montreal that mm. still, you know, last to this day. So, you know, Montreal holds dearest spot to my heart. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of life lesson, let's close it with a life lesson. Do you have any life lesson you can impart with people that are listening, young athletes, whatever? Um, just, you know, don't lose your connection to God. That's, that's my thing, man. It's just, uh, and, and what I mean by God is that my God is not your God. Your God is not Aaron's God. You know what I mean? It's just your connection to God is your connection to God. And make sure you have that connection. Make sure you have your conversations. And just stay grounded, stay connected. When things don't go good, pray for guidance. When things are going good, pray for your your thankfulness. Pray for your gratitude. And, you know, don't forget to pray when the times are good. (laughs) Don't just, don't just, don't just hit God with that. Hey, God, it's, it's been a while, but you know it's me again. <laughs> you know, you know, don't don't be hitting those intros every time. You know, but uh, you know, again, you know, and 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 being you know your relationship to God doesn't mean you got to be showing up to a church every every Sunday. I mean, if, if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. You know what I mean? But I, I I'm not I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a religious you know guidance person. But if you say what's my what's my advice? It's you know my advice to to people is. 
stay connected to God. Don't lose your connection to God. Your connection to God is your connection to God. No one could tell you about how you should be connected to God or what your conversation with God should be about. And it's a lifelong journey, you and God, you know? So it's, you know, that's, that's, that's been my biggest secret, you know, that's what's gotten me to where I am. That's what's gotten me through a lot of tough times. That's what keeps me being able to continue doing a lot of great things. So um, I'd be a liar if I was here telling you that it was anything outside of God, to be honest. Mm. Wise word from a wise man. Again, Victor, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate you so much. God bless. Keep in touch. Thank you. Bye. Again, Victor, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.